0: <laughs> and uh, when I got to the other side and had my baby healthy and whole, Jesus is the same today as he was back then. He still, uh, he still heals people. He's still a miracle worker. Um, and just not to give up hope. And that uh, I've seen God do great things. <laughs> um, Amen. Yeah, we celebrate. All right, everybody wave back at Dana. She's behind the uh, camera today. Great. And you can't can't wave at Micah. I don't know. Micah, are you there? Insert. All right, yeah, everybody wave at Micah. There she is, right back there. Good to see you, girl. She's the testimony child. Come on, let's celebrate just one more time. Love Jesus stories. (laughs) Absolutely love Jesus' stories, and uh, it's just been such a great, great season these last few Sundays as we visited um, stories. You know, I had this thought early on in the series, Jesus is the story. He is really the one we, we want to focus on and fix our eyes on. He is incredible. And if you spend any time in the Gospels, one thing keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. Jesus is going to heal somebody. And, um, you know, uh, there, there um, can sometimes be the skeptic inside and the doubter inside. And here's a beautiful thing. You're welcome at the table of Jesus. We have all been there. We all have had seasons there. And guess what? Jesus says, Welcome. And the beautiful thing in this series that we are doing is we are taking just some different stories and correlating them, if you will, with a Jesus story found in the Gospels. And um, there, there are several and plenty of examples coming off the wonderful testimony that, that Dana shared and that Micah experienced. But... Um, you know, before we get there, I, I want to cast just a, a, a brief vision of why we're doing what we're doing. You know, Jesus is the center of our faith. And in John chapter 1, verse 18, I shared this a couple weeks ago, but in John chapter 1, verse 18, there's a profound statement that is made. And I'll be fully transparent. It helped transform my theology and my understanding of God uh, about 10 years ago. And John chapter 1 verse 18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father here it is has made him known way i approach the bible is jesus first (laughs) i can't get enough of the gospel stories and how i have come over the last decade to understand the heart of my heavenly father isn't by systematic theology which i love everybody needs a good old systematic theology book all right isn't through more knowledge or more study in different biblical studies, though all of that's very, very important. But one of the things that has really began to transform my understanding of the heart of our Heavenly Father towards not only myself, but to all y'all, somebody? I just got back from Alabama, so forgive all the southern (laughs) twang today. (laughs) The Gospel of John, all y'all. Jesus made it known. No. But one of the things that has transformed that is... Understanding the reality of John's profound statement that here is Jesus. Andy Stanley calls it God in a bod. All right. It is God in bodily form for the first time in human history. And we, 2,000 years removed, get to encounter this resurrected one. And um, I just love this series. And as I was just thinking and meditating and praying about the message today, I was reminded of, a, of for me, uh, one of the earlier modern worship songs. came out of the Vineyard Movement back in around the year 99, 2000. And uh, it's a little dated now. It's got some flute in there it's got a little bit of a celtic twang to it but it's a song don't worry I'm not about to sing it you can spotify it later but it's a song called be the center and very simple lyrics but it's jesus be the center be my source be my light be the center be my hope be my song be the fire in my heart be the wind in these sails be the reason that I live be my vision be my path be my guide Jesus be the center and this series my hope is that we do a lot of different series we we cover a lot of different themes and occasionally even word studies in our Sundays and in not only my preaching but all of our preaching but my hope is that always at the center you'll find Jesus and it's a bit mysterious, if we're honest, because, um, it's, I don't know if you've noticed this about God, but he's not always predictable. Yeah, Any of you listen to a, a, to a, to a, a good podcast and thought, hey, that'll work for me, and then you realize <clears throat> God's got you on a different journey? <laughs> or you read a book and you're thinking, ooh, I'll make this happen, and then you do it and God's like, no. You'll make it happen, but it's going to be a different timing. It's going to be maybe in a different way. We've got a different story. And the reason is, God wants relationship. He doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship with you. And so, so many times, we sell ourselves short, don't we? We get satisfied with the religion or a doctrine or some systematic theology, and here's what we do. We just box God in. We're like, That's who God is. And that's beautiful at times. But John says, hey, guess what? Jesus comes, and sometimes he just blows up the box. And he says, here's who I am. And I'm so grateful today to share this message. I got a three-word title for the sermon. Brace yourselves. It's going to blow your mind. Jesus heals people. Whoa. That's edgy. (laughs) Jesus heals people. We're going to read about 22 verses together. So let me give you a moment. The Gospel of Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 21 through 43. Roughly 20, 22 verses, 21 through 43. We're actually going to cover two healing stories. One, Jesus was rudely interrupted. And the other, he actually was on mission and on intention. But how many of you know Jesus loves some good old interruptions? How many of you, just being honest, you love some good old interruptions, don't you? Yeah. American culture, we love being slowed down. We love being interrupted. I love when I'm talking, when people interrupt me. It's a a thrilling Emotion. All right, I'm going to quit with the dry sense of humor. Sorry. All right, Mark chapter 5, 21. Let's read together. It'll come up on the screens. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers. So this is one of the religious leaders, one of the synagogue rulers. Maybe even use the word pastor there. His name was Jairus, he came there, and seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come, put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, a large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, Talitha kum, which means little girl I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up, walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Good story, huh? A good couple stories. And... Jesus heals people. Jesus' miracles, if we're going to attack this um, from a bit of a theological understanding, uh, what do his miracles do? Personally, I don't always love uh, attacking this from that angle, but I thought I might for a brief, just a brief moment. Jesus' miracles, well, I do like to say, first off, they healed somebody. Or they cast out a a demon. We read about that. Uh, They resurrected people. They brought healing, brought reconciliation, brought redemption. All sorts of things at face value that Jesus' miracles did. But they established, if we're going to tackle some things theologically, first off, they, they did establish authority. All right? They established authority. There was a marked difference, a marked difference between what Synagogue rulers at the time and even I would dare to say most of the rabbis were experiencing in their uh, teaching and walk with God that Jesus was differentiated in some passages of scripture. It actually says that that he spoke as one who had authority So there is that element as well. But not only that, uh, if you heal somebody, that that also establishes some authority and tremendous credibility with people. It also revealed the nearness of the kingdom of God. In this context, um, man, you talk about feeling uh, neglected. Uh, The Jewish people had, at that point in time, uh, suffered much damage by different ruling nations, they had the Romans that were in occupation, and they thought to themselves, "What is happening? We've been forsaken by God. Does He love us? Does He care for us? Oh my goodness!" And the the heavens, so to speak, or the kingdom of God, which correlates with the word Eden in the beginning of creation, that Eden environment. Jesus, the same language would be called the heavens, just. Being near, being in relationship, the closeness, the proximity of God felt distance, felt far, far away. So here comes Jesus, and they're not only reading about him, they're seeing these miracles. How many of you know it sparks not only interest, but something profound spiritually begins to take place. And his miracles reveal the nearness of the kingdom of God. It reminded the people of Israel, man, you've not been forsaken. You've not been neglected. Also, for me, I see this clearly, it revealed the love of God. Now, here's something critical to understand. It's not the only thing that reveals the love of God, somebody. And if you have any disappointment uh, or prayed for somebody, man, just so you know, I I will pray for your healing, but I don't bat 100. I, I, I have prayed for people's healing and nothing has happened, many times. And I've prayed for people's healing, and sometimes it's happened. It's pretty amazing. There's, there's, there's one factor involved. I always look to God, always trust Him, always believe in His name and His power. And I don't think it's in our strength or our abilities that healing happens. And so for many of us, we can approach this topic and when we hear the word healing or we hear the word miracle, sometimes what can come to mind is a laundry list of missed expectations um, and missed opportunity and ways we miss the mark. And especially if you've got some good old faith movement background or good old charismatic or some Pentecostal theology, y'all know the pressures that can sometimes be surrounding one's mind when you think of healing. And yet, I still stand before you approaching this because we can't escape the supernatural, mysterious ways of God, such as Dana's story and Micah's experience. I love to say this, that people can argue all day with a theology or uh, with a doctrine But one thing they can't argue with you about is a personal experience. And that is one of the beautiful things about Jesus' ministry. I love where he heals the the blind man. And the the blind man, uh, he gets basically what appears to be a trial by the Pharisees. And, you know, his disciples are like, man, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he's this way? And Jesus said, no, nobody. This moments for the glory of God and just boom heals the man and then the man goes to the synagogue and the Pharisees are like what's going on can we get a name can we get an address who healed you what's going on and they begin to trial him in such a manner and the man says this is what I'm saying he's like I don't care what you want to argue about I know what happened I was blind but now I see You do the theological gymnastics. I'm just going to take my sight and walk on by. It's a beautiful thing. And I love it. One of the the scariest things that I've seen in in my short life are whole movements or theologies that have actually boxed out the mystery, the miraculous from their doctrine. Like, no, Jesus is done. I'm like, look, just because it doesn't happen every time you pray, Just because you're filled with disappointment, discouragement, or little faith, as Jesus would say, all of us are at times. Just because that may be part of your story, at least just keep the door cracked open. Just just don't write them off totally. Just crack that door open a little bit. You know, I love, I I get an awe, like now God's done doing that. I'm like, you should Check out our YouTube page, because we've got a whole line of stories. <laughs> you can argue with me all day. Just see a story and let it speak to you. Don't try to figure everything out. And you know, when we, approach, when we approach this subject matter, I'm, I mean this genuinely. There are some tremendous questions one has, but here's what I want to encourage you with today. This is, this is really it. Leave a space open in your relationship with God. For the miraculous to happen. Leave it. Leave it open. I don't care if the door is wide open. Or if it is just an inch cracked. Can I encourage you? Leave the door open. For God to move. And for God to do a miracle. You say, well what about the disappointment? I feel it. I feel it. What about the, the, the difficulty? And all my why questions. I feel it. I've been there. I see it. I'll probably go there some point in the future, man. One of my favorite questions to God is why? Ask him. He'll tell you. One of Paul's favorite questions to me is why? But I'm saying despite all that, know that we're following a Savior. We're following a God who we walk in relationship with. And here's the beautiful thing. Loves us unconditionally. And so... I like to encourage us, keep that door cracked open. Now, I will say, I I do want to address a couple things. I love to say this in the room, because it's fun for me. You may not enjoy it, just indulge me. But sometimes, sometimes, people handle sickness or difficulty, and they're mixed up on God's nature towards them. So I want to highlight, I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm just saying some of these mindsets or perspectives are wrong. You can talk to me about it after if you like. But here is for you some wrong mindsets. If we could bring up, I don't know if they come one by one or all together, or hopefully they come up. Um, the angry God. Wrong. Wrong. But what about this passage? That's right. The wrath of God is something very real All right, we need to repent, we need to get right with God, but so much of our theology is completely mixed up. Come on, if you haven't had a good sermon, unless you've had somebody tell you all about hell, and they know all about hell better than they know about heaven, somebody, they seem to know more details about the devil than they do about God. Come on, if you never experienced that, you are blessed and highly favored. But for the rest of us, We grew up. Maybe you cut your teeth. I did, and I had a little bit of season in my youth group where I was like, man, God really seems ticked off all the time. (laughs) Like, man, gee. And so people do have. You've got to wrestle that down. You've You've got to push pause. You've got to actually, you really got to indulge and begin to understand the scriptures in such a way. Many of our English translations have butchered, have butchered, The intention behind the Hebrew context and the Greek context to such an extent that people think God's angry. God's not angry with you. The anger of God is really the justice and it's the setting of things right. It's not personal vendetta. Some people think wrong theology. Some people think sickness is a punishment. That's, That's not there. Again, what's your starting place, Pastor Paul? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus didn't say it. I can trust it, but he's my filter first. That's how Christians study the Bible. Jesus understanding his ways. Some people have, along that same line, somehow sickness or these things are somehow a payment for your sins, like, Somehow, there's still payment due for a past lifestyle. Pastors sometimes will commonly use this as a manipulative or a guilty or a fear-mongering to get you more holy. You get more holy by knowing how loved you are by God. It's not what Christianity is not behavior modification. It's heart transformation. OK? So sometimes people have, well, you know, this happened. Well, I read about it in the story of David. Uh, Okay. Again, great. Let that story speak for itself. I don't see it with Jesus. Okay? Good. Glad we're on the same page. So it's funny, but it's so subtle. And you know what that's like when you show up into the presence of God and you're looking at the lens of your circumstances and you're interpreting, you're interpreting the suffering As a payment for something in your past. No. Sometimes, yes, there are consequences and that's part of it. Sure, I'm with you, right? If you eat double cheeseburgers for every meal for 30 years, okay, we get it, right? Other times, there's situations, there's circumstances. Be very careful in the midst of suffering what you project on God. Some famous, got over a million followers on Twitter. There's some people, some famous pastors out there who will say, well, God is teaching me a lesson. That's why he sent me this sickness as a punishment. No. I completely disagree with you. Can God teach you something in your suffering? Amen. Absolutely. Does God send it to teach you? No. Can God use it to teach you? Yes. Romans 8.28, very clear on that. Sometimes, again, when we approach God, we feel unworthy or we feel shame. And we can use those very emotions and we project those on our circumstances. And so we approach God unloved or with a deficit or we never measure up because of xyz and i don't even have to use those examples um, or go into much detail we can think about that in any sort of ways and again again we've got lots of church history that's propagated these things so they're bouncing around in our minds even if we've never given it much thought and then one that i do love to speak to is this is going to sound really deep for you But it's the, God has bigger fish to fry. (laughs) God isn't moving. God isn't healing. God isn't doing, because he's got bigger fish to fry. Right? There's children starving in Africa. That's also, yes, there are children starving in Africa. But sometimes there are systemic principalities and powers of darkness that have created poverty and children starving in Africa. And it has nothing to do with what you're facing. And God is involved he is interested he loves every time you approach him calling forth your need your circumstance all right glad we covered that all right so if you're lost welcome back let's move forward all right Jesus heals people he reveals the heart of our Heavenly Father so disconnect maybe from a personal situation or for for some missed opportunities or some disappointments you've experienced. And let's just look for a moment at the beautiful portrait we get of our heavenly father in these two stories. We see a religious leader, Jairus, approaching Jesus, kneeling down, calling on him. What do we see? King of kings, Lord of lords, savior of the world, missional lifestyle. What do we see? him welcoming, and him responding. Yeah, I'm down. Let's do that. And what do we see? We see Jesus walking with Jairus, interrupting maybe his schedule, or if you're familiar with the disciples, maybe the disciples were trying to promote a schedule for Jesus. Hey, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And here's Jesus' plans wrecked, but his mission on course. So he welcomes Jairus, he goes with him, and Jairus is on a journey. At the point in the story that Jesus takes off, what happens? A woman interrupts Jesus' schedule. All right, and that says nothing about women, okay? Men interrupt schedules too. I'll just let, leave that where it is. All right, this woman who has suffered 12 years, 12 years debilitating, bleeding, She had, one could imagine, many things that life offered. The fact that she could have had medicine and doctors for the last 12 years would tell the reader that she was wealthy, that she had many things going for her, yet she needed one touch from Jesus. And she interrupts Jesus' mission. And here's what I love to see. God welcomes our interruption. God welcomes our brokenness. God welcomes the mind games we may even have as we approach him. And here's the beautiful thing. It is kind of a mysterious story that uh, I don't know where it lands necessarily for you. I don't want to tell you where it lands. But Jesus didn't even know what was going down until he felt power that left from him. And that's a fun conversation. should try this at home. No, I'm kidding. But it's just, it's just hold up we got to stop somebody touched me and the disciples as me i would do the same thing what do you mean somebody touched you look around you we're not six foot distancing you know hey everybody's nearby this this is crazy who do you think touched you and and the woman came forward you can imagine just the the beauty of that moment being touched if she touched jesus excuse me the healing came it's beautiful And here's Jairus taking all this in. Now, if you know your daughter's struggling and going down and you see that, how many of you know your confidence is soaring, skyrocketing? Yeah, you've been there. We've been there. Man, I hear Dana's story and just, Mike is, you know, healing, just skyrocketing. And then what's the next scene? Jairus, don't bother him anymore. Your daughter is dead. Mountaintop, high, (laughs) valley, low. What is God doing in that moment? He is unfazed, undeterred. He's not moved by his mission. Jairus, it doesn't really say much, but you think he's thinking, hmm, this is strange. What's happening? And Jesus calmly says, she's asleep. Be at peace. (laughs) I can imagine. It's not going to tell you what Jairus' face was saying or what he was doing. He's just nervous twitching, I'm sure, the whole way. And they arrive. And Jesus brings a calm. And he heals Jairus' daughter. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Beautiful passage of scripture. But in the ingredients of the story, Or so often, at least I can speak on my behalf, all of our emotions. With not only healing, but all of our emotions involved on our journey with God. There are sometimes some high highs and some low lows and the hillside in between. We're thinking, God, two weeks ago that prayer seemed to work. What's happening now? The beautiful thing is why I keep recommending relationship over religion is religion is consumed with information. Relationship is consumed with transformation. Religion wants answers. It needs insight. Relationship is comfortable just hearing the word of love from the Father. That even in the midst of circumstances, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of pain, one whisper from heaven can bring a peace, a peace in the midst of difficulty and heartache. I'm going to end with some very practical thoughts. Because Jesus heals people. And so I want to talk about some things... That I do on my good days. Is that okay? Yeah, it's good for pastors to not only share bad days, but good days. Amen? Yeah. So here's what I do on my good days. (laughs) Make room for a miracle. On my good days, I capture thoughts. I capture thoughts. That's an important, in fact, it's an incredibly underrated spiritual discipline. Prayer's important. Fasting's important. Giving's important. Serving's important. All the different spiritual disciplines, silence, solitude, they're all vital. But one of the most important spiritual disciplines we can do is capture our thoughts. Capture our thoughts. If you were paying attention to um, Dana and Jim's story, and Mike and the family story. You notice one of the things she did, she didn't say, Hey, I capture my thoughts. But how many of you are watching the video, you recognize she captured some of the thoughts that were coming across our path. Now, this is not, hear, hear me say this, this is not a formula for success. There are, <laughs> you're not going to be able to do A plus B equals C. All right? If you've been on your faith journey, you know Jesus is mysterious. Sometimes he don't care what plus what equals what. He just moves, heals, does the whole thing. It's remarkable. And our prayer team, they pray that way. We believe that way. But we trust God. But what you can do, how you can partner with God, and it doesn't even have to be in the area of healing. You can apply this every area of your life. Capture thoughts. Capture thoughts. The enemy is subtle, and the first place of attack in any believer's life is in our thoughts. We justify sin, hey-oh, with a thought. Am I the only person who justifies? Come on, y'all. Come on. I know you do. I've seen your Facebook. No, I'm kidding. But here's the deal. I'm joking. Come back next week. I'm joking. But here's the thing. We've got to capture thoughts get to capture thoughts. We can't sit like sitting ducks. And so we, we capture our thoughts. Discern the root of your thoughts and bring it before Jesus. I love one of the thoughts the Lord's been having to me, uh, sometimes when anxiety may be going up or stress may be going up or the pressures of life are going up. It's like just, just a couple weeks ago, the Lord just felt impressed in me. He, He said, my son, is there anywhere, anything you face where my love does not go with you. No, I'm gonna calm down. Thank you. Right? Capture our thoughts. I don't know if you watch the news Friday, but there were some thoughts shot across the bow of this country, and we'll leave it at that. How has your mind been wandering. What you dwell on, you dwell in. What you dwell on, you dwell in. In our relationship with God, I love Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Dana's story is very close to home for my wife and I and our oldest daughter. Um, Our first child, Lily, um, what we can say now was happening was not what we knew at the beginning of the story and so she was born and she was holding her breath for extensive periods of time causing her lips and then then really extended over her nose and down to her chin blue She was holding her breath and that that's not a good thing and we were in Destin Florida Uh, at the local hospital there and the pediatrician said hey I recommend let's get her over to Pensacola uh, and in the NICU so after two days we find out that news and all the wave of emotion so they gave her the wings the little travel wings like flight wings they gave her like I mean she has wires from the top of her head I've never seen so many (laughs) wires in my life and she gets placed in like this travel incubator and um, as you can imagine, Kelly held it together pretty well, and so did I. <laughs> Big man of faith. And uh, <laughs> mountain high, our first daughter, Lily Grace, is, is there. And wow, what a joy to, oh my goodness. And we... Um, the journey kind of followed behind the vehicle as best you can. They go pretty quick. And she went to the NICU, and I remember we had dinner with my in-laws. And, you know, for a man not to remember what he ate, that's pretty big. And I can't remember what I ate, um, just in shambles. And, you know, we're allowed to visit the NICU, and we went up and visited. I remember going in the men's restroom. You know, my father-in-law was there, so, you know. I had pressure just to save face, and I remember I just, man, I beat that wall, and I just squalled, (laughs) which isn't frequent behavior of me, all right, if you're here for the first time, but I was just such a broken state. I remember crying and just, uh, just so many questions, so much flux on the inside, so much tension and turmoil, and... The days continued, the days continued. Then to add insult to injury, the doctors could find nothing. They're running EKG, they're running brain tests, and there's no answers. And they're like, listen, we can't do anything until she has a full week of not holding what came to be found out, <laughs> holding her breath. They said, we can't do anything for a full week. You, you can't be released. So we we just making plans, travel arrangements, stayed there for the whole week. Still no results, no tests giving us any inclination of what could be going on and that week it really grew me in the nature of who God is and how I shared a couple weeks ago how we are seen by God like Nathaniel and Jesus how Jesus saw him under the fig tree because during that season Kelly shared with me something I would have appreciated the first day but it's all good not bitter I'm better but she said a few weeks before Lily would be born, uh, the Lord gave her a word that she will be a fighter. And uh, that has turned out to be true. Amen. Thankful for prophetic words. But she shared that with me, and that's why what, that's what I mean genuinely. One whisper from heaven. Did, did that whisper change the journey? No. But it reveals the heart of my father towards me that could carry through that difficulty. And for some of you, how we capture our thoughts is we believe the greater truth that is spoken over our lives. We don't settle for something that the enemy or another is saying. We take hold of the thoughts that God is whispering into our life and over our life. And it's so important. Important for our journey and no matter what circumstance no matter what news comes across your life no matter what surprise jumps up it's vital that we first capture the thought and take it to its root something else just straight out of what Dana shared capture thoughts second cultivate a faith environment I know I want to move on quick but let me just say some of you what you need to do in this season of life is learn how to cultivate a faith environment. I, I had some, some of the old school messages in your face, preaching and teaching. I grew up in a culture, I didn't get to watch Smurfs. Yeah, talk to my parents after, please. I didn't get to watch Ninja Turtles. Snuck in a couple 90210s. Well, my, my parents were, were, were I mean, it wasn't like control-centric. Maybe. I need, a, need to see a therapist. But what, what, But it was sincere about guarding the gates of our life. What I hear and what I see, that may be worth the price of admission. Guarding the gates of our life, what you see. And what you hear. Some people watch horror movies. why, Why are we anxious? Everybody else is like, have you thought about the horror movies? I hadn't thought about that. Well, you should think about that. I'm serious. I'm not saying just watch, you know, Bible studies. No, enjoy life, but just be careful how you're wired and what's triggered. I remember a few years ago, the podcast will not be named, so don't Google, or don't try to find it, but my wife and I, we're actually on a ministry trip, just on vacation, so, you know, what do you do to buy some time as you're driving? Listen to an unsolved mystery podcast, somebody. For the first time, and we both listen to it, y'all, our gas brakes have never been so fast in all our life. I mean, I'm like pumping gas. I put it back. I'm looking under the car like, oh my god, what is, you know? I'm, lo- I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, everybody looks like a serial killer. You know, it's like, Kelly's like, quit knocking Alabama. I'm serious, babe. I don't know who these people are. You know, and I'm like, like running into, <laughs> Running into loves like, oh man, let, let me go quick, quick, okay. Quick, quick. I mean, where's that coming from? Man, it's coming from some unsolved mystery. It's got the music playing. Ooh. It's got ooh, it's the private investigator that was hired. And here's this guy. I'm just trying to do this podcast. Now they're threatening my life. And ooh, ooh, ooh oh, oh, oh. you know, and, and it's just like, and then, and then, let's be honest, you cannot get enough of it, somebody. I mean, I could not wait to get back in the car and be like, hey, let's freak ourselves out even more. And like, boom, (laughs) boom, boom. Oh, I didn't hear that mysterious part. Rewind, rewind. You know, now y'all, I know I'm more sophisticated and don't, you know, you're, you're better off than me, but my resilience on those things is nada. Like I've seen one scary movie and that's it. That was enough. One and done, baby. That's it. But can I tell you, I've tried over the years to cultivate, to cultivate a faith environment. Because here's what the enemy wants to say. It all happens for them, but it doesn't happen for them. No, here's what I'm saying. Cultivate your environment. What's the Lord like? Has the Lord convicted you lately? If not, check your pulse. Like (laughs) Y'all don't want to know how many times I'm convicted. It's like, You gotta allow the Holy Spirit to convict you because the Holy Spirit knows what's best. He may be like, Paul, turn that show off. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got tempted. We have the Peacock app. We got tempted by another unsolved mystery. Two weeks ago, after one episode, I was like, I'm out, babe. I can't. You know, I'm in my own house double-checking behind the doors. Like, this is not me. This is not good. Her resiliency is a little stronger than mine. But I... I, I, I say that jokingly, but also say it sincerely. Sometimes what we listen to, we don't even realize what we listen to. And it's in the background, you know? We've got to pay attention. We've got to cultivate faith and rhyme. We see this in the story of Jesus, right? He, he, in Nazareth, not a faith environment. All they could see were the disappointments. All they can see were the mistakes. All they could see was Jesus of Nazareth. Not Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Scripture says he could not do many miracles because they were just seeing with fleshly eyes. In cultivating that environment, they even said, Dana said, look, we didn't make all of our family happy, but we had to kind of decline some calls. We had to kind of usher them kindly out of the room, out of the waiting room, Hit mute for a moment, okay? It's not that you don't love them. Sometimes your favorite list on your phone is not your faith list on your phone. You need to have a faith list on your phone. When you're facing something difficult, you don't need to go to maybe some people to try to get a word of life. First, you get with God, and then you surround yourself with people who can speak life kindly and compassionately. And I know it may seem challenging, but you cultivating that environment can be vital for one's spiritual walk. Jesus had to usher some people out of the room, and he took with him who? James, John, Peter, his closest three, because he knew they were starting to get things a little bit better. So he brought them in, had them pray. It's important in our day-to-day living that we continue to cultivate and environment. Here's what I know. In people's journey with God, they living like it's the off season. And then when it's game time, they're trying to jump in, but have not cultivated anything for the battle they're facing. The good news is there's the local church. You can jump in anytime. We've been cultivating some things, so you just jump in and borrow from us. But so many don't. So many, I saw this meme one time. I love it. I'll just share it and then I'll move on. Your shirt says UFC, but your body says KFC. <laughs> now y'all convicted somebody. All right, but I mean that. <laughs> My wife bought it for me. No, I get it. <laughs> Here's what's so important we've got it, we're cultivating. <laughs> Let's stay on the notes, all right. We can cultivate though. We can cultivate the environment. I wanna t- tell you, you can begin to take ownership You can begin to partner with God, begin to take ownership, begin to pray things out, get you some Stormy O'Martin books, begin to pray things over your children, begin to pray things over your family, begin to pray into your future, begin to believe God, and begin to ask him for things, begin to see your faith temperature rise, and don't just settle for the climate that maybe you were handed spiritually, or the climate that you've embraced. You can continue to move forward with God, be healed as you move forward. And there's sometimes, man, the miracle, will just start coming up out of nowhere sometimes because you won't even realize, but you intentionally began to cultivate a faith environment. So important, and the last is very simple. This really is starting place. Call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. Upon the Lord. We come before you, Lord, with this need. We come before you with this circumstance. And sometimes that means pushing through our emotions. Most often, it's when we don't feel like it. Most often when we need to pray, it's when it isn't coming easy. Most often there's a difficulty or a disappointment. I want to encourage you. I want to always encourage you. Call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. Pray. Seek his face. Ask for the Lord to move. Don't pray for what's easy. Don't pray for what's comfortable. A few years ago, we did that series called Dangerous Prayers. Borrowed it from a church in Oklahoma. It's a tremendous book called Dangerous Prayers. You know, just the easy ones like, search me, O God. Break me. Send me. They're easy stuff. But can I encourage you in your journey, in your life, daily lives, continue to call upon the Lord. Trust him. Because Jesus still heals.